Yo, what's going on? This is Dion Taylor, the director of Fear. And you're listening to The Four Squad Podcast. podcast episode number 275 tonight we're going to talk about 2023's evil dead rise which is currently in theaters uh i'm one of your co-hosts todd we have joe we have steve <clears throat> um just gonna get right into it there's no really easy way of saying it um you, you guys here if you're not on the discord which most of you guys aren't um you'll know him as the gentleman that um calls in pretty much every episode when we have questions and his name is chuck um and the sad news is that he passed away this past Friday on the 21st, I believe it was. And um, just, I don't even know what to say. Great guy, great person. Shout out to Teddy, his son, who's a great little guy as well. And, you know, he, I, he'll he truly be missed. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, just a hard, I couldn't, I was just in like pure shock. You know, Steve messaged uh, our little group and uh, I hadn't even checked the discord. I hadn't really checked my phone and, when he was like, you know, Chuck passed away, I, I just, I couldn't believe it. You know, it's, it's just terrible. I mean, he was so young. He's only 37 years old and, you know, he's got a young son and he was just, he was probably our most loyal listener. I mean, the guy, he sent in audio questions every single week. He was so active on the discord and it's just not going to be the same without him. You know, he was just, he was basically like almost like a, like a fourth member of this podcast because all of the stuff he did involved with it so it's it's really good it's this this one really hits hard um especially you know and we just lost michelle you know just a couple weeks ago as well so yeah it's it's been a tough couple weeks and um i just my heart goes out to everyone his family and, and teddy especially and to all of our listeners you know i know a lot of you guys were close to them as well so yeah just everyone you know stay strong yeah i just don't know what to say um you know chuck was like such like he was such a good friend of mine and all of us really uh, i chatted with chuck pretty much every day in some form whether it was sending each other stupid tiktoks or on xbox uh we'd have like these dumb contests about who can spend more time breaking rocks in a disney game or some just stupid shit that we were always together uh whenever i watched like just the worst movies he'd be the first one i'd text like hey dude you need to watch this ridiculous movie about um you know a killer tree or something stupid because he appreciated the so bad it's good genre as i did um it's it's a it's a void that just won't be filled you know he was a, an amazing person anyone who knew him was impacted by him in some way it's uh I, I'm still in shock. You know, it's been three days now since we learned the news and I just, I, it's like, I refuse to believe it, but I know, you know, it's true. And he's going to be missed, man. Like every single week I edit his audio questions and, you know, it's just, it's, it's crazy that we're not going to have those anymore. And his presence is, I, I, you know, it's, it's going to be a tough, I'm, I'm not going to lie. It's going to be a tough episode to get through, but Chuck would kick my ass if I didn't do this. Like, that's just the type of guy he was for us to not do an episode or to, you know, not carry forward and do stuff would upset him. You know, he's the type of guy who would be like, 
no, you know, like celebrate and just be good to each other. And that's what I'm going to do. You know, I'm going to celebrate his life rather than mourn his death. Um, I will mention that, you know, it, this is really too soon to like do a memorial episode, but next week we will do a memorial episode to Chuck. Um, we're actually having a vote on our discord as to what movie to review one that represents him the most, you know, one that he would have wanted us to do or something like that. So to his family and like, you guys said to son Teddy, you know, I use his intro once in a while and my deepest consoles is it's, I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine. So yeah, we'll, we're going to do this as best we could, you know, to um, in his honor and we'll do his memorial episode next week and just, uh, you know, bear with us. I know when I watched Evil Dead Rise, I, I watched it after I found out and I just, it was hard to concentrate. I'll try to review it as best I can, but it's a t- it's a tough one between him and then Michelle like a couple weeks ago like Todd said oh my god just I didn't expect this so rest in peace my friend I'm gonna miss you terribly yeah uh, it's terrible I was just I was really looking forward to meeting him you know coming up and it's yeah I mean it's just life's fra- life's 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 fragile and you know just you know appreciate you know every single day obviously i mean this is really tough so everyone stay strong out there and i don't know what to say and there's really no easy way to to transition obviously but you know we're going to do this episode obviously in memory of our good friend chuck so uh, i also want to mention we have an interview tonight with Dion Taylor, his new horror movie, uh, Fear, which did, some of you may have seen, it was, it did hit theaters back in January, but is going to be hitting VOD coming up here on, uh, actually, it'll be out when this episode releases, uh, it hits VOD on April 25th. So uh, yeah, me and Steve are going to talk about uh, the movie during our What Watch segment, and yeah, stick around for the end of the episode for the interview. All right, so now let's get into some horror news this week. Biggest thing that's probably come out in uh, the last couple weeks is a Conjuring television series is going to be in is in the works at HBO Max. I haven't read whether Patrick Wilson or Vera Farmiga are going to be involved at all, but I know uh, James Wan's uh, production company is going to be involved with this. Uh, The series is set to continue the story established in the feature films. That's really all the details we have for now. But uh, yeah, I don't know. What do you guys think? A Conjuring television series. You think this is the right way to go with, with this franchise? You know, honestly, I think it's a good platform for it. You know, I'm, I'm, and I'm thinking X-Files, you know, you have Mulder and Scully doing their Monster of the Week episode, which were always the best episodes, in my opinion. So I can see whether they go with a husband and wife team, I forget their names or not. Like, I can see this really being a really cool, like, weekly haunt kind of thing. Plus, HBO puts money in their show. So that's also a positive. Yeah, I, I agree with Todd on this one. Um, if they stick to the formula of, you know, kind of the case of the week, I think it could be really successful if they try to bring a lot of like dramatic bullshit to it. And I don't know if I would be as interested, you know, I think too many shows are trying to make these big stories when you could just simplify it. Honestly, you don't just have a monster of the week with the Warrens taking over different cases throughout their career. And I'd be way more down for it than uh, this big dramatic thing. So I guess we'll see what happens. And, but I, I do love the conjuring universe. So I'll at least give it a shot. 
Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I'm excited for it. You know, even though the last movie wasn't my favorite, I think, yeah, I, I like Todd's idea. Yeah. Like kind of doing almost like a weekly sort of thing that could be kind of cool, but also like a, you know, this sort of storyline episode, you know, could be cool too. So we'll see where they go with it. All right. So, well, speaking of Patrick Wilson, Insidious, the Red Door trailer just dropped the other day. Patrick Wilson is going to be directing this one. Uh, the entire cast is pretty much coming back for this one, including Lynn Shea. I mean, she died in the first movie, but hey, she just keeps coming back, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, this, will be... <laughs> right. this will be uh, the fifth installment in the Insidious franchise. It will be releasing in theaters july 7th 2023 patrick wilson gave a little quote here uh, i'm honored and thrilled to be at the helm of the next insidious installment which will provide an amazing chance to impact everything the lamberts went through a decade ago as well as deal with the consequences of their choices directing this movie is both professionally and personally a, a full circle moment for me and i'm extremely grateful to be entrusted in continuing to tell this frightening and haunting story into the further we go what do you guys i mean you guys watch the trailer um i got it uh with my evil dead rise uh when i went and saw evil dead rise so it was cool to see it i had seen it previously but i saw it on the big screen and uh yeah i mean what do you guys think yeah i watched the trailer too well i mean not watched it i averted my eyes in the theater because i you know trailers are just so telling now they give everything away but yeah i love insidious uh last key was pretty weak but still solid film so yeah i'm looking forward to it yeah, I also saw the trailer in theater, and I also had seen it before. I love the Insidious franchise. I think it's really, really good franchise. I'm really looking forward to it. But I will admit, the trailer didn't super do it for me. Uh, the creepiest parts of the trailer are the scenes from the first one that they're showing. So I'm kind of like, okay, where are they going with this? Uh, I don't know. There's there's something about the trailer that's just not vibing with me. So I'm still on a kind of wait and see uh, basis, but. It's insidious, so I'm still psyched about it. It's just trailer didn't do it for me. Yeah, I mean, I I love the Insidious franchise. It's always been like kind of a soft spot for me. I've I've liked every single uh, entry into it, and this one looks cool. I really like that they're kind of doing like a ten year later type thing. They're actually bringing you know the original actor that played Dalton back and whatnot. I just recently saw him in The Whale too. He gave like a really good performance in that too. If anyone has seen that, oh, I didn't um, know that that was the same actor. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, same actor. Uh, so yeah, I'm uh, I'm really excited for it, and you know, it's in seems to be in pretty good hands with Patrick Wilson directing and whatnot. So yeah, we'll see how it goes, but I'm super excited about it. I mean, I'm sure it's going to be a movie we'll definitely cover. So stay tuned for that. All right, next bit of news here is Radio Silence. You know, with the success of Scream, a lot of people want to know what's next in store for these guys, and it seems like. They might be helming a new Universal Monsters project. Deadline reported on this that they uh, have been attached to be directing an untitled Universal Monster thriller. It sounds like it will be playing with the classic monsters. Matt, Be Matt Bettelini open and Tyler Gillette, of course, will direct and Chad Vallea will produce as uh, usual. No other details as of now, but from what I'm hearing, it sounds like there is going to be multiple universal monsters perhaps so the thing that immediately comes to my mind is sort of like a monster squad maybe type thing going on here or maybe like a versus movie 
but yeah, I mean, they see, I think they're a good choice here to do this. I mean, I would love to, I hope James, I keep hearing James Wan's supposed to be coming back doing something as well with the universal monsters, but it seems like the universal monsters might finally be getting put into the right hands. What are you guys thoughts on this? You know, I, I think they're a great team uh, radio silence because like, I really loved ready or not. I feel with scream, they kind of had their hands tied a little bit uh, between studio and like scream franchise expectations so i'm kind of excited to, for them to do something with a little bit more freedom because i doubt that there's a there's going to be a lot of interference for a for a universal monsters movie so i'm excited you know i think they have the talent to do it and uh it could be good you know that and they've been trying to reboot that for such a long time that hopefully now they're going to start putting him in the right hands and uh, doing something special with it because the last one that was good for me was probably invisible man with uh Lee Wynell directing that one. Their next one isn't Scream 7? Or is this just future? Um, I, you know, obviously, I'm sure uh, Scream 7 hasn't been officially announced yet. So, I mean, I you know it's coming. It just hasn't, you know, so they maybe they're going to take a year off to, like, you know, kind of build the hype or something. We'll see, I guess. But, uh, uh you know, this they're attached to this for now, whether this is going to be their next movie or whether they're holding off until Scream 7. We'll see. All right, uh, next bit of news here is file this one under Is It Too Soon? Because we are going to be getting a, a remake to last year's Speak No Evil. Uh, it will be an American remake, uh, of course. James McAvoy is going to be starring in this remake. For those of you who don't know anything about Speak No Evil, you probably haven't been listening to this podcast because Steve and I, uh, I believe Todd too, like all really uh, enjoyed it. I probably enjoyed it the most uh, it was, as it was in my top 10 of the year list uh, from last year. But yeah, so James Watkins has been brought on to direct. He did uh, The Woman in Black and Eden Lake. And yeah, the movie is going to be released in theaters next year, August 9th, 2024. Uh, yeah, I mean, what do you guys think about this? I just don't feel like they can really improve it. You know, it's, so I'm not, I'm curious as to why they're doing this. It's just like, what more can you do? I hope if they do end up doing it, uh, that they don't, um, I hate to say this word, but like Americanize it where they take out a lot of the really like bad stuff because that's what kind of made the first one so powerful. You know, I want them, if they're going to do it, to really kind of, bring that point home but i have a hard time seeing an american remake of this it, it felt a very european story you know i just don't see an american version of this but i guess james mcavoy is great so I, I i have faith in that but i don't know i'm not sure about this one Alrighty. well i yeah i mean i think i kind of agree with you i think it's going to be probably a watered down version like every other american remake such as martyrs and i haven't seen inside yet but i've heard the same thing so yeah we'll see uh, i'm not excited for it but you know james mcavoy attached maybe it will be good he's a great actor so we'll see all right file this next one under you're either going to be really excited or really disappointed as rob zombie has said he most likely will not be making any more firefly movies or monsters movies oh man <laughs> no in a recent interview with Entertainment Weekly, Zombie said, uh, pro, uh, when asked about the Firefly clan, he said, uh, as far as theatrical films go, 
the fire with the firefly can maybe there'll be graphic novels or other things but at this point the three movies feel like they go well together it took a lot of work to get the third one made and no one's getting any younger even with the third one sid haig from the time that we started talking about the movie to the time we shot it his health declined so severely that he went from being one of the leads to barely being able to keep him on set for an hour to work so yeah i think we just got it uh, we got in just under the wire to make a trilogy as for the monster zombie suggested in his chat that he won't and flat out doesn't want to make another monsters monsters movie with Universal. Zombie went on to explain, the only reason I would ever want to is because I like making sequels. You have so little time uh, with the first movie to develop these characters. Towards the end of the Monsters film, you go, okay, now they're all set. You can really jump in with what they're all about. But say la vie. He said the Monsters was exhausting. He said it was an exhausting movie to make almost five years of nonstop pushing and then being in a foreign country during the height of COVID was not as much fun as you would think. So the whole experience was very draining. So no more Monsters, no more, no more, you know, Firefly clan movies. Some will be disappointed. Some will be excited. I don't know, but we'll see. I mean, I don't know. We'll see what's in store next for uh, our good friend, Mr. Zombie. You know, maybe uh, an original movie would be good for him. I got a couple issues with this statement. Um, okay. Where he kind of smells like full shit a little bit. Like, he never should have done part three. But I think a lot or most people agree that movie fucking sucks. And like, yeah, you're talking about for five years and Sid Haig literally dies right afterwards and you barely have a minute. Like, I think you got to pull the plug and just be like, hey, you know what? The fans which are supporting this little indie movie, because three was a fucking little tiny indie movie, want to see Captain Spaulding and we don't have him. Sorry, let's cut it. You know what I mean? And then the monsters, like, what do you mean you need to have all this running time to establish these characters? These characters are established. They're X amount of years old. You don't need to have long. We talked about it in a review. You don't need to have all this buildup. You can just literally have a minor setup, get them in the United States, because I think we all agreed the movie got better when it when they got to their home, not all the bullshit before that. For so, five minutes. Bob, <laughs> Bob, get your head out of your ass, man. But I still love fucking corpses i mean rejects halloween obviously has made some fantastic films so still a supporter but that statement's a little weird yeah i, I agree like it's not like anyone saying you know i really wish they made a second of shawshank redemption because you were just getting to know those characters in the first one yeah it's like if you can make a fucking complete movie and get to know the characters all in one shot especially someone that basically people knew already they could have easily just done a friggin' quick intro to who these characters are send them to the u.s like you said and have an adventure there because that is where kind of the movie shines. But I, I just hope he goes back to something original, because I think that's personally where I think he's best at, uh, without, you know, kind of the shackles of, I guess, expectations or, um, you know, studios or whatever it is, uh, and make another Firefly-type film, not, you know, another one of that story. Because I agree 100% with Todd. Without Sid Haig, it just, it wasn't the same, and that's, it's a shame. Yeah, also be careful what you wish for, though, because 31 was pretty awful. <laughs> And I, I know uh, Lords of Salem grew on me. I personally think it's pretty damn good now. But uh, maybe, you know what? Maybe I'm due for 31 then to see if it's I can get over maybe it. Maybe they age well. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Well, I don't know what his relationship is with his brother Spider-1, but hey, they're both directing movies now. Maybe they can team up and do something together. That could be kind of interesting. So we'll see. We'll keep you up to date on our good friend, Mr. Zombie. Next bit of news here. 
Art the Clown continues to just reign supreme, ladies and gentlemen, as it has been announced that the original Terrifier now is going to be heading to theaters for the first time this summer. It is going to be slashing its way into over 700 theaters nationwide on July 19th, 2023. Um, I'm not seeing whether this is going to be a one night only type special event type thing or not, but I'm assuming we're probably it's probably going to be something like that. But yeah, if you want to see the original Terrifier on the big screen, now is your chance. Yeah, Art the Clown, so hot right now, ladies and gentlemen. Will you guys go see it? No. 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 I'm good. Me me, me either. (laughs) (laughs) I bought the Blu-ray. It's like, I'm good. That's enough. Yeah, 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 I mean, I'll watch it at home if I want to watch it again. Like, for me to go back and watch something post-release in theater, it's got to be, like, one of my favorites, you know? Either something that I really love that I've never seen in theaters because I was too young or something, or like an absolute favorite of mine. So, yeah, this is it. <laughs> I'm I'm honestly though I'm excited for the crew, man. Like they're they got this really yeah. small market that they're taking advantage of, and a lot of people that aren't horror fans are seeing this and freaking out. So that's always that's good too. Alrighty, just a couple uh, more to get through, ladies and gentlemen. Scream is getting turned into a tabletop board game by Funko. I know some of you might be disappointed about this, but it's still pretty cool. They're coming out with a game. So in a press release by Funko, they announced the Scream. They are making a table, a multiplayer tabletop game set in the Scream universe called Scream the Game. Very original, I know. In the title, uh, Ghostface has returned to Woodsboro and is hunting the players who will have to work together to survive. Scream the Game comes with a Ghostface figurine, as well as a free app that ties into gameplay, which will feature voice acting from Roger Jackson, of course, who most famously, of course, voiced uh, Ghostface. The website also previews gameplay for the tabletop game um, will be fast-paced, and each round is estimated to take only around 20 minutes. Um, The game will be hitting shelves um, later this year. What do you guys think? Would you guys pick this up? Cool. Yeah, for sure. I like the voice acting aspect, too. Yeah, Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. uh yeah so yeah I, I don't know if it's up for period or anything but just you know keep an eye on funko's uh website i'm sure there'll be uh, a lot of details coming out on that very soon hell house llc i know a lot of you guys are fans of that well filming has just begun on a new movie uh this time it is going to be a prequel don't really have anything else to say on that other than yeah i mean you guys down for another? Are you guys fans of the franchise? And are you excited I like, for a prequel? I like one and two. Uh, I don't like three as much. So I'm like, it had to be a prequel. <laughs> they, they, there's only so many times they could go back to that fucking hotel and have the the same thing happen over and over, you know? So I think prequel is really the only way you could go. I don't know if it'll be the same though, because the found footage aspect is what makes that series special. And I don't feel like a prequel would be a found footage. It'd be a little weird to have old timey found footage, you know? <laughs> so. <laughs> guess we'll see they find like a the stereograph like, like <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah I'm, I'm one of the few man i'm one of the few that doesn't like the original and has never seen any of the sequels so uh i'll skip this one unless we have to watch it hmm. yeah yeah we'll see <laughs> also chucky season three has officially begun filming it will be uh premiering uh later this year also we are going to be getting a stranger things animated television series coming later this year as well and finally 
what comes uh, next for our good friends, the Duffer Brothers. Well, they are going to be developing the Burrows. So this one sounds interesting. So the Burrows uh, is about in a seemingly picturesque retirement community in the New Mexico desert, a group of unlikely heroes must band together to stop an otherworldly threat from stealing the one thing they don't have time so basically it is stranger things in a nursing home uh that will be coming uh from netflix later this year he said while the heroes in the burrows have a few more years on them than the kids from stranger things they are a similarly lovable bunch of misfits and we can't wait for you to join them on an adventure that as it turns scary uh an adventure that turns scary funny and deeply touching so i don't know what do you guys think stranger things in a nursing home basically (laughs) i saw this movie already it's called bubba hotep so yeah, just, or, uh, or cocoon cocoon there you go <laughs> or old people uh, i think it's called did the same thing uh, oh well yep. i guess we'll just wait and see wait and see and uh yeah that's it ladies and gentlemen for horror news this is week, that thank it you. though is that it oh i know there's oh. one more that you're just waiting oh <laughs> god yeah all right yeah i uh i completely <laughs> forgot uh to mention this yeah, um, i, I want to make sure we mention something like this before i throw it to our ad yeah. I, I love i love how we i was gonna say we always <laughs> end with terrible news and then we throw it to our ad um yeah i i did i completely forgot uh, about this so it was kind of being chatted about a little bit ed gale who of course played chucky he uh, of course brad doris voiced chucky but Ed Gale was the man in the in the suit in one, two, three, and I believe Bride of Chucky, and then he didn't continue on after that. Um, but yeah, a big part of the Child's Play franchise. I know a lot of you may be fans of him or not. Well, if you are not aware, he um, last week was busted for um, potentially, uh, he was accused of luring a uh, young child to his house um, for sex, uh, basically. Sort of a to-catch-a-predator moment where they uh, busted him. Uh, he did admit to it in his videos. You can check it out on, I believe the Instagram is Stop Ed Gale. But we just wanted to kind of throw this out as sort of a warning to anyone who may not have known about this. Um, I don't believe he is currently in police custody or anything like that. Uh, we will keep you updated on that as things go, but you know, you might want to throw his autograph uh, in the incinerator <laughs> or whatever, you know, or, uh, you know, don't, maybe, don't, don't try to, wall. don't try to sell it currently. Yeah. Yeah. And this is for the kids. Cause I know we have kids and minors that listen to us. You know, be careful on the internet, man. Like us three on this podcast didn't grow up with the internet, so it's a little different for us, but you guys have access to all this shit and people will prey upon you. They'll pretend to like the shit you like and, you know, know who you are and stuff like that. Put all your stuff private on uh, social media. They can get everything. So just be cautious. That's all I got to say. Yeah. And be careful of that. I, I, I sent to Joe, like right after he sent me that news, uh, people are trying to sell his autograph for like big prices. You know, trying to kind of get rid of it before, I guess, people find out. So uh, we're telling you, don't buy his autograph if you see it out there. It's it's fucking disgusting. And I hope he rots tainted. Honestly, yeah, yeah. I do. I have his autograph on a Funko Pop. It's uh, I got it in some box. You know, it's. I think I think I actually gave one away on this podcast because I had two. So whoever got that, uh, just FYI. So yeah. So of course, with news like that, we will throw it right to our sponsor as we tend to do so here's a word from deadly grounds coffee 
Everyone thinks because you're a zombie, you don't know good coffee. Well, they're wrong. There's only one brew that gets my seal of approval. Deadly Grounds coffee is my guilty pleasure. The aroma is so intoxicating. It brings all of my neighbors out of the woodwork. Deadly Grounds coffee. Coffee to die for and zombie approved. It's good to get a little deadly. Use the front door! Oh, they're so disgusting. I've had two cups of coffee today. I don't know if you guys have had any. Yeah, I, I, a really long day of work is tough to work today, so I needed to, all the coffee I could get. Yeah, I was off what, today, so. What, what coffee, do you drink? Uh, what, what kind of coffee guy are you, Todd? Just like regular um, coffee? No, yeah, I brew like brewed coffee, I guess, traditionally with grounds, and um, I like a lot of cream in mine, uh, so I don't drink it like black or dark green like that. I like it really, just cream it up for me. I'm a cream kind of guy. I I drank it exclusively black for a long time, and now recently I've been putting one sugar in it just to add a little <laughs> just, bit, of, just, just, just to fun. take just to take a little bit of bitterness out. <laughs> uh, oh, we got a badass over here. Your <laughs> your uh, forefathers ghosts. I mean every I mean, that. but every every once in a while I'll like you know get something a little. So you, you never know, get like, like a. I'll get a special, yeah. Like every once in a while, yeah. Every once in a while, I'll I'll get that. But like every night at work, I get a medium ice black, just black. Wow, ice black. You said, yeah, ice black with one. That's even worse. It's cold. (laughs) He was. Yeah, Steve, are you typical Canadian? Uh, I get what's called a double double, which is two creams, two sugars. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I'm a very plain coffee drinker. Like I'm the one who goes to Starbucks and like, can I just have a regular coffee? With two green two sugars, the, like the person looks at you like, well, I'm gonna have to look at the fucking book. I don't know. How to make <laughs> yeah, <coffee." laughs> yeah, they they know me now because the only place near my office is a Starbucks, so I just always go in there and I'm like, just a regular large coffee, please. I don't know your stupid lingo or all that shit. So. Venti, sure. <laughs> yeah, so whatever coffee is available, I'm a pretty plain guy with that too. All right, what watch? So Joe and I. We'll have the same watch this week because we are on interview duty with Salem Horror Fest going on. But before we get to the what watch, I do want to ask Joe because so this was the first weekend of Salem Horror Fest that just passed by. And there's a second weekend coming up. So how was the first weekend at uh, the fest, Joe? Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it was cool. I um I planned on attending some of the screener screenings, but uh, shout out to Selma Harfest. They actually sent me some screeners so I didn't have to go to the theater to watch them. But uh, yeah, they, I mean, it, it seemed very successful. I was downtown for a lot of it. There was a lot of buzz, a lot of directors, actors and stuff from all the movies there. Uh, a lot of the screenings uh, did sell out. Um, I went and met Linnea Quigley because I needed to add her uh, to a couple of things. Did I she remember my... you? You've seen her like seven times. I have seen. No, she didn't. She didn't remember me. No. But yeah, I mean, she's super sweet as always. I added her to my poster that, you know, I've had the prod that I've been kind of working on for the past couple of years now. And my Night of the Demons uh, Susie figure as well that I had Hellhaven sign the two pack there. So that was cool. And then I got, I picked up an autograph for Steve as well because he wanted one. So he got the the sexy naked uh, trash photo. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've never met her. I've been to so many cons and she never goes to the ones I'm at. So I, I figure I'd, get joe to get it because i don't know if i'll ever need her at this point 
Yeah, she she was like a sweetheart. We chatted for quite a bit, actually. A little Night of the Demons, some uh, Return of the Living Dead as well. And uh, also Goretta Goretta was there from Demons. I'm just not a big Demons fan, so I did not meet her. Amelia Kincaid was also there as well. They had a Demons party. I did not attend the Demons party, but I saw some videos that looked really cool, really awesome. So yeah, weekend one was awesome. I also went downtown and busked for a little bit as well as Freddy and his art. Both very popular. Yeah, people loving the Freddy and the art more more so than we'll see with Jeepers Creepers. I want you know I'm hoping Jeepers Creepers gets a little more love the closer we get to Halloween, but we'll see. But yeah, great great weekend one. Weekend two, we'll see. I really want to attend Friday night. They're doing a midnight screening of Blair Witch Project. I would which I would really love oh, to you, attend. You gotta do that, man. I know, yeah, I know. I, man, I'm old. I'm an old man now, though. It's like staying up till midnight is like tough, you know. It's like, don't you work at midnight? Like, you're always up I at do. Midnight. I, I do. I, I you know work in the night. Work in the night shift, but when I don't have to stay up late, I uh, you know it's 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 tough to stay up that late, especially when you're on your normal sleep schedule. Uh, so, yeah, we'll see. I'll probably try to power through though and make it to that because I uh, I've actually I don't think I've ever seen the Blair Witch on the big screen, so I would love to be able to finally. I thought do you that. saw it when it came out. No, I didn't see. Uh, I, didn't. I didn't see it in theaters when it came out. I was I was younger, so I mean, what was that like, ten, eleven? When that, when did that come out? My mom took me to see it hmm. with her sister, my sister. And yeah, friends. no, I didn't see it till it hit VHS. So I would love to hit it. This, that and The Shining are like the two movies I, I I really would love to see on the big screen that I haven't yet. Yeah, I've seen The Shining on the big screen. It was freaking really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, cool. Mm-hmm. I watched. Yeah. Or continue. Last week, I think I talked about Evil Dead 1. So today I'll talk about Evil Dead 2 in preparation for Evil Dead Rise. Evil Dead 2, um, you know, loosely remake of the first one, right? And leads into the second with Army of Darkness. Or I'm sorry, the third one. You know, it's unpopular opinion. Like, don't get me wrong. I love Evil Dead 2. It's a solid four out of five for me. But I think it's the weakest of the trilogy, to be honest with you, because I love the straight horror of part one. And I like the straight anti-hero Ash is a douchebag of part three. But the combination of the two in part two doesn't really wholly do it for me. But like I said, there's so much great stuff in it. Like when Ash is put in the basement or the cellar and they're playing the recorder and then it's like Henrietta's body is in the cellar with him. And like the reveal of that is just so good. Ted Raimi's performances, the hag and all that stuff is fucking excellent. And it's still cool. But like I said, I still think it's the weakest of the trilogy, but still at a strong four out of five. All right, yeah, so I think Steve and I are going to tag team uh, this week uh, on our movies because we did uh, – let's start with last week. Uh, last week uh, we did, of course, uh, our interview with Spider-One and Chrissy Fox. Shout out to them. Great interview. If you haven't listened to that episode yet, please go and listen to that interview. But their movie we watched was called Buried – the Bride, which premiered actually uh, last weekend at Salem Harfest. So shout out to that. And yeah, Bury the Bride is, you know, they didn't want to get into spoilers, but I'll get like mildly spoilery, I guess. But basically the movie is about a group of ladies who go out on a bachelorette party. They uh, lead actress, uh, Scout Taylor Compton, actually, that you guys will, of course, know from Laurie Strode from Halloween 1 and 2 is in here. But yeah, so she is the, the bride-to-be, and they decide to go to this sort of, I don't know, desolate uh, cabin. I think that's owned by her fiance, if I'm not mistaken, Steve. Is that, does that sound about right? Uh, 
Yeah, I think so. There's something. Yeah. So someone was connected to that cabinet. Yeah. So, but it's like very, um, this fiance is very mysterious. Like none of the friends have met the groom to be. And they find it like very weird that she's kind of rushing into this sort of wedding and stuff like that. But, you know, they're wanting to support her friends. So they go out uh, having a good time on this bachelorette party when lo and behold, the fiance shows up with some of his friends. And we come to find out that the fiance isn't who he says he is. And I'll leave it at that. Yeah, Steve, you don't you know, want you, you know, kind of say what you, your thoughts first. Yeah. Um, so we, <laughs> this was crazy. So we actually recorded last week's episode. I completed the edit, sent it to Joe to process. And then like one night we get the interview with um, Spider-One and Chrissy uh, Fox. And I had to watch that screener like that night because the interview was like very next day, right after my work. So um, I kind of had to shoehorn in that <laughs> that whole thing in the episode. And yeah, I, I, I knew nothing about this at all. Uh, I admittedly did not like Spider-One's previous film, Allegoria. So I was kind of hesitant about it. But I got to say, this one was definitely a huge step up, in my opinion. Uh, it's um, it, it was surprising. Like, it goes in a direction that I really didn't expect. It, there's some good horror elements. There are some, like, I guess, indie movie issues that I will say. For example, there's a scene, so it's happening during the day, and there's a scene where a girl's like running away. And in four successive shots, like really quickly, it goes from day to like evening to night, like with the in the span of like 10 seconds. It's the weirdest thing ever. It, it, it's just like nightfall, just poof, it's night. You know? <laughs> and it, it was just little things like that that were kind of odd. Uh, I do think there are some pacing issues and some other stuff, but I think overall it's a good effort and it's renewed my interest in Spider-One's um, like directing career and everything like that because good performances, really, I mentioned this in the interview, uh, like really funny sayings on shirts. I, they were having a lot of fun with the wardrobe and yeah, it's a, it's a good effort. Like I give it a two and a half out of five. It's, it's close to a three, but I think two and a half is where I'm at, but I, I think there's a lot of potential here. Yeah, I'm pretty similar to you. Um, I also like really had no idea what this movie was going to be about. And yeah, like overall, I ended up main, like more positive than negative. I do feel like, you know, there was just something like missing that really would have elevated this to being like great. But as it stands, I think it's like a really solid one-time watch uh especially if you're into you know um the vampire subgenre because there are some vampires in here um it's sort of like redneck near dark i guess is the best way to sort of put it um but it's kind of it's, it's interesting they definitely did like a their own sort of take on vampires and i think it's it's pretty cool and it goes to some places I wasn't expecting. So yeah, I mean, overall, like Steve said, a, a very a very solid effort. I, I gave it a three out of five. And, I, and I'd, I'd, I'd recommend it. I think it's a pretty solid watch. Uh, did you mention it was on Tubi? Uh, no, but... Yeah, so, so it's I, actually I, yeah. uh, a Tubi original. And mm -hmm. I will say, I know it's not the like best compliment ever, but it's the best Tubi original I've ever seen. And the fact that it's like free, it's just amazing for everyone. You know? So I'd say check it out. My next one, my final one, is going to be last year's Megan. 
uh, rewatched it with my 13 year old and yeah man like I gave it a three when we first uh, we, when we originally covered it but I'm a little bit down on it. I'm at a two and a half now this time around the lack of horror really stands out you know it's quite a lot of running time without a lot of scares which is a bummer because it's Megan is fucking creepy man she's a creepy little little girl doll robot and then the stupid shit like really sticks out now like the telegraphing the giant robot's gonna come back at the end the dance <laughs> the the multiple the couple songs she sings is fucking awful so you know what like yeah i don't think it's that great i mean it wasn't on my top 10 or anything last year but i definitely took a step down from me on my second watch last two and a half out of five megan i'm not sure where that is streaming let me check real quick and it's on peacock if you have peacock mm-hmm. it's actually this year so you know what i guess it won't make your top 10 this year megan is this year <laughs> yeah yeah january a, january oh. yeah. okay then <laughs> Yeah, yeah, definitely go. not making my toss <laughs> I could have spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, I know it feels like a long time ago. But wow. it's definitely this year. Oh shit. It's crazy. All right. So the second movie Steve and I watched was Fear, which we got our interview with Dion Taylor, the director, after tonight's episode. So please stick around for that. Just a super, super nice guy. And he really gives a lot of perspective on the movie. Really interesting interview. So uh stick around for it. So yeah, Fear is about uh a a group of people who uh, go away to uh, a cabin for the weekend. Uh, the boyfriend, you know, surprises his girlfriend um, with like this birthday trip. And while they're there, you know, it's a whole bunch of, you know, crazy stuff starts to happen. But es- essentially, you know, they come to find out at one point that there's like sort of like there's some like witches stuff going involved and then they start talking they sit around the campfire they're talking about their fears and then sort of like these supernatural elements kind of you know come in uh dealing with their fears but also um it's tackling um covid as well there's you know with the pandemic going on yeah and that's basically you know sort of a, a little plot of the movie yeah overall i mean this one was you know okay for me you know, I I was a little more negative on it before the interview, but after the interview and the director's sort of him kind of telling us how this movie was filmed during like the height of the pandemic and whatnot, and that they were literally like writing the script as they went and stuff like that, like it, that makes like a lot more sense to me after watching the movie. So like, I definitely respect it a lot more after the interview. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's an okay, you know, one-time watch maybe i do think that them writing it as it went definitely probably hurt the movie because i think their the focus was lacking a little bit i think there you know it definitely could have been tightened up but you know there's some decent scares here here and there and uh yeah now let's see what you think yeah kind of along the same lines um i think there are some like some good scares uh some like solid moments i do feel that there was kind of um a mishmash of ideas and it's like they were trying to put too many things into the movie that and i kind of wish they focused on one instead of doing all of these elements at the same time uh because it did feel disjointed at times and um now that i kind of heard the interview or what i was on the interview i i can see why right and but i have to give like i have to tip my hat to him because so this was done really early in the covid uh kind of you know whole shutdown in fact he he uh, he says it's one of the first movies to have like a full-on production during covid the movie quality like would not show that at all 
it's super well made and i have to tip my hat to him because that could not have been easy with i mean we all know we were all there uh like during those early covid days when you were unsure about everything so yeah it's it's well made it's well acted as well but like i said the movie itself yeah it's just maybe there's just too many ideas going on at once and you could tell that it wasn't kind of pre-written and thought out as much as i would have liked but uh very talented filmmaker and i i'm definitely going to check out the rest of his stuff uh you know within a more kind of normal context as opposed to this one which was kind of a rogue kind of movie so uh yeah so check it out if you get a chance and yeah yeah no i mean like you know you'll hear it in the interview but they they like literally filmed this movie in a bubble you know and it's it's crazy so please stick around for the interview um and yeah show him the guy knows his horror too like he went on like a whole tangent about all this horror stuff and it was really great so yeah so uh thank you once again Dion taylor for that and enjoy the interview at the end of the episode guys um yeah i looked at my 2023 stat sheet that i track on microsoft excel or whatever it's called Google Sheets, there you go. And yeah, Megan was my first of the year that I watched this year. So <laughs> I'm just uh, out of it, I guess. But um, all right, now it's time for trivia. So we are on quarter number two right now. Um, the three-time champ, myself, is in the lead with 11 points. Joe, second place, seven. Steve, third place with five. But we have plenty of time left in quarter number two to uh, juggle those numbers around. Who would like to go for? You know, I'm going to go first. Nice. All of mine are for my buddy Brent. And they're all taglines, which I know all of us absolutely love. <laughs> oh, wow. So. Thanks, Lovely. Brent. <laughs> <laughs> Tagline number one. Close your eyes for a second and sleep forever. Ooh. Oh, Nightmare on Elm Street? Incorrect. Close your eyes for a second? Close your eyes for a second and sleep forever. Ooh. This kind of sounds somewhat familiar. I got nothing though. That sounds like a plot though. I feel like there was a movie where like if you closed your eyes, like he would like auto he would come in and like swipe you away or something like that. I'll give you one hint. It's not gonna be that helpful though. It's from the eighties. The pee pee poo poo man. Um (laughs) nailed it. The bye bye the bye bye man. (laughs) Anything the eighties? Eighties, yeah. Mm. No. No. I got nothing. All right. The answer <laughs> is the Slumber Party Massacre. Ah, okay. Yeah, I guess. I, I, I would not have guessed that. <laughs> yeah, I guess sleep for slumber, but that's about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess so. Mm-hmm. All righty. Everyone's favorite. Match the killer. The killer. Yeah. <laughs> match the killer to the movie. Ooh, okay. What did we tonight, watch today? Oh, we watched Evil Dead. Okay. Yes. Okay. And tonight. We have the Phantom Killer. Um, the town that dreaded sundown. That is correct. Yeah, fucking love that remake. Original is cool. Remake's better. Mm-hmm. Stand I, like, I, I like that they like reference the original and the remake. Yeah, for sure. I've been to that town. That town's pretty cool. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Is that was that a real um, drive-in? Uh, I'm not sure about the drive-in, but like a lot of locations are still exactly like they were because it's. Texas slash Arkansas, Texarkana. Cool. Pretty cool. All right. People's real favorite category. <laughs> 60 guess, second. No. No, no. Guess the movie by the IMDb parental guide. Oh, my favorite joke. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Sex and nudity. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Full front male and female nudity at the oh. end of the movie. 
Dongs and thongs. Okay. Violence and gore. A character jumps out of a window and is injured. Happens to the best of us. Okay. Uh, Profanity. 15 uses of fuck, eight (laughs) uses of shit, and one use of dick. Is dick profanity? Apparently. To some. To some. It's a name. (laughs) Alcohol, drugs, and smoking. (laughs) Richard Head. (laughs) (laughs) A teenager, a teenage character smokes pot (laughs) recreationally. Underage drinking and teen partying is seen. Yep. Standard. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Last one. Uh, A character has multiple PTSD-inflicted panic attacks throughout the movie. Clearly experiencing great pain and crying in an infantile way. Hmm. Hmm. Infantile crying and dongs. And I both really it's, they're, they're equal options. Yeah. Dongs and bush. Dongs and bush. Her, hereditary. Correct. Uh, oh, very nice. Exactly. Thank you. It is. Very nice. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Okay, I can see. Yeah, her crying, Tony Clad's crying gets there. Yeah. That's him. Mm-hmm. That's him that crying. Oh, true. Yeah, the boy. You're, you're right. Yeah. You're right. Good movie, man. Yeah. You guys can see Mafia Mama, Tony Collette's newest, newest thing. Oh, um, and 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 Bo is afraid. Ari Aster's yeah. new movie too. Mm, that's right. Um. All right. So tackling number two from Brent. It's a headache from hell. Brain damage. Correct. Mm, nice. Thank you. <laughs> Joe on a fire. Alrighty. Yeah, baby. All right. Little Evil Dead trivia for you Ooh. tonight. Okay. When Ash goes back into time in Army of Darkness, what is taken with him? A car. That is correct. His yeah. car. Nice. Mm-hmm. Plus a bunch of other shit. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this is guess the movie based off the IMDb trivia. Okay. Although this is the first film. The subsequent sequels go back and forth in time, making this the third film in the chronology. Okay. Brendan Fraser was considered for the role of the main actor. Nicole Kidman was auditioned for the role of the main actress. 33 violins were used for the theme music. Hmm. Hmm. One, there's it... one, one last okay. one, if, okay, okay, if, okay. if you guys want to, you want to guess or you want to, okay. No, 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 go for it. After the first big violent event in the second house, the two... Insidious. Correct. <laughs> yes. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. That was my guess, too. So, yeah, because in, Insidious, uh, is it three and four are before? Yeah, they go back. Yeah, yeah, prequels, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Sweet. Nice. How to keep Lynch for all your whole series. <laughs> they, they screwed up killing her. Make her a ghost in two, make her a you know, make a prequel in three, four, make her a video in five. I'm looking forward to specs and whatever this other dude's name is. Yeah, we don't see him in the trailer. I hope they're actually in it. Hope so. Back to me. Mm -hmm. All right, last one here. Everybody has a secret. Oh, um, I can picture the poster, Mm. I picture the words. Yeah. Every body has a secret. Hmm. Six cents. Incorrect. I can't think of it. Oh, boy. I have one more guess. I have one more guess. 
Yeah, go ahead. Poltergeist. Incorrect. It's uh, within the last five years. Oh. Everybody. Maybe maybe a little bit longer, six, five or six years, something like that. Is it the? Um, I'm just not in it today. Uh, the corpse of no, not the corpse of Anna Fritz. It's the other one. That's the one. What the fuck is that? <laughs> Yeah, are you thinking in the autopsy of Jane? That's Doe? right, the autopsy yeah. of Jane. Well, yeah. Joe, you fucking said it. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, my head not in the game tonight. Yeah. I, so I, I knew the movie. I just. <laughs> that's, the, a great, uh, that's, that's, that's a good. That's a that's a good one. <laughs> the Corp of Anna Fritz is um, another like female in a morgue that mm. you know it's it's a she's a superstar and the morgue techs like rape her and then oh. her bot her like soul. Yes seeks revenge on them and it's Ooh, pretty good that's a cool plot it's, yeah. it's like mexican or something it's a good it's a good movie what's that one mm-hmm. where an exorcism body was taken to like a yeah a thing a morgue and then like the girls there overnight I, I know what you're talking about i don't remember what movie it is it's like it's like a really like crazy video. looking morgue too like i remember yeah. being impressed guys, by how like are you, you guys thinking that masters of horror episode no i know that's a, no, that's a they, they, if this is a movie and it's it's a working hospital too, which was weird. Like usually the hospitals are like abandoned. It's just a morgue. This one wasn't a working hospital. Yeah, and it's like terrible happening. Lit. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I don't think about it. Autopsy something. Yeah. I don't know. All right. All right, Joe. Alrighty. Three letterbox reviews. Oh. Guess the movie. The only toxic relationship I want in my life. Number two. One of the very best of the very worst movies out there, or that I've seen at least. Maybe that's in the best way possible too. Just utterly disgusting awesomeness. Oh, and no- uh, can I? I'm gonna guess. Yeah. Uh, okay. Is it uh, Greasy Strangler? Incorrect. Oh. Okay. This is the big giveaway. Dead giveaway. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. All right. This movie is a simple reminder that the best superhero is from my home Toxic state Avengers. of New Jersey. Correct. God damn it. <laughs> I thought the toxic relationship was. Uh... <laughs> yeah. All right. Four clues. For the last one this week. Cereal. Popcorn. Shower. Shower. And coffin. Hmm. Cereal, popcorn, shower, coffin. Hmm. Well, my initial guess was House of a Thousand Corpses, so I'm gonna stick with that. Wrong. There's no shower though, I don't think. No. Mm, I feel like I feel like the cereal's the big one here, but I'm not sure. They're, they're um, all kind of on equal footing. Are they? Okay. Yeah, yeah I don't. Uh, uh, I guess technically the coffin is the biggest one, like story-wise. Okay. Right. Coffin. Fright night. You guys give up? Yeah, I got nothing. So those are the four things that the spiders are in in arachnophobia. Ah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. makes sense. The coffin being the most important because that's how the general spider gets to a man. Yeah. Creepy. All right, uh, myself with a good night with four. Joe with a good night with three. Steve zero, but we're still fresh, and that's fifteen for myself. Joe ten. Steve five for quarter number two. That's game number four. One, two, three, four. Yep. All right. Evil Dead Rise. All right, Evil Dead Rise comes out right now. You can come see it in theater as if you're listening to this right now. It's in theater. Go see it. So this one starts off traditionally like Evil Dead movies where we're in the we're in the woods, right? And we're following this young girl and one of her friends or cousins or some shit is sick in bed. 
Uh, so she goes over there to talk to her, and it turns out she's a deadite, and chaos ensues. Then we jump a little backward in time one day prior, and we're now in Los Angeles, California. We are in an old dilapidated apartment building, and we are with a family that we learn that the husband has gone off because he doesn't want to be a dad or husband anymore, so he's out of the picture, so that leaves our mom. Young girl, uh, sorry, teenage girl, teenage boy, a young girl. And we're following them. Then her sister, who we met a little bit previously, she's a, a guitar, I don't know, she works for a band and she tunes guitars and shit, right? Uh, we learn in her scene that she's pregnant because she's taking a pregnancy test. And she leaves the tour and goes to her sister's house who has this family. So the sister arrives and say, hey, I need your help. And then she learns that the dad has left and realizes that she hasn't been a good sister because she hasn't been communicating with her family and hasn't helped them with their troubles that are going on right now. There is an earthquake that opens up a secret passage in the parking structure where the teenage boy and girl, they find, or actually the boy goes in there and he finds some records and he takes them upstairs because he wants to be a DJ. So he has his little record kit and all that stuff and he starts playing them. Turns out it is a priest telling us that there are three known copies of the Necronomicon, Book of the Dead, and he and his cronies found one. Obviously, that went wrong for him, and he's warning you not to play the tape or not to listen, not to read the book, things like that. But, you know, the kid plays it, and he does the spell incantation, and Deadites come back, taking their mom, and now we follow these characters. Yeah, man, I saw this in theater Friday morning, and I overall really enjoyed it. I was actually sitting in the theater, and that opening scene was so fucking cool, especially when the Deadite rises out of the lake. And you see the fucking Evil Dead rise and pose over the trees. I'm like, I was literally smiling. It was so fucking cool. Um, so I was into it. Um, I do have some problems, though, with the setup um, and the pacing. I think there's some issues there. But overall, my initial thoughts were, this is a pretty fun movie. Um, very bloody. And if you like, I, I think you'll, I can see people not liking it if they're like true diehard Evil Deads fans, you know, like with Ash, because um, he's not a factor in this. But if you're a fan of the remake, from I think it's 2013, right? And I th really think you're going to like this one. But if you can get over Ash not being involved and not being a factor in it, then I think you'll like this one as well because I love Evil Dead and I liked it. So that's my initial thought. Yeah, I was really excited for this. Um, obviously, I really enjoy the Evil Dead franchise. I, I don't think there's been a bad one in it. So, and I was hearing great things right off the bat. So I was, I had high expectations going in went to the theater it was like 90 percent sold out so it was a really full crowd it was on a friday evening i was nervous because i thought the crowd was gonna suck but shout out to the crowd no talking like just like people just enjoying the movie as it came so that was great and yeah overall i'm right there with todd i i came out of this re uh pretty much really enjoying it i did have some you know minor i guess issues with it but overall i thought it was just a super fun time the fucking gore is just like on another point in this one too it definitely reminded me of the 2013 remake or whatever you i know they don't want like to call it a remake or the director doesn't like to call it a remake but i, I consider it a remake uh so i do think it's right on part uh with that one that being said i i think it's probably the weakest, but that's not a bad thing either. You know what I mean? I think it's it's the weakest out of the franchise, but it's still a really, really good movie. And this franchise still hasn't missed. Yeah, just great stuff uh, all around. The intro, easily the the best part of the movie. It was fun. That intro was fucking awesome. And just you knew what you were going to be in for uh, right away. So, yeah, overall, I, I came out really enjoying this as well. 
Yeah. So like I said before, you know, honestly, I saw it after Chuck's news and I was kind of distraught throughout the whole thing. Uh, it's very hard to enjoy a movie while you're in a weird state of mind like that. Despite that, I still think it was a really good movie. And I think I would even put it as my favorite of 2023 so far. Uh, I will give it another watch once it comes out on a VOD because I feel like I missed some stuff here and there because my mind was wandering in different places. But like it was still really good. Uh, like Todd said, I want other movies to start doing credits like that because that was so friggin' awesome, man. That that shot of her, you know, elevated up in the from the lake and the Evil Dead Rise in the back was just so memorable, you know, and it really puts the movie on a great like it's a great start to the movie you know it really gets you psyched for everything this movie's relentless (laughs) it just goes and goes and goes uh and in a weird way it's like it was both always stuff going on but there was also a really start and stop to it you know that was kind of weird to me like it'd be like crazy things happening and then be just pause and then crazy and then pause but not in a way that made sense you know, the, the demons would kind of just kind of stop. You know, they'd kind of just sit out front the door or... And it was just like, a, okay, why why isn't she just being, like, relentless the whole time? You'd think she'd be attacking, you know, the whole time through and trying to figure out a way to get in or something like that. Amazing imagery as well. The r- little room that they uh, they find under the parking garage was really creepy and fantastic. Like that's a story I actually want to hear <laughs> is you know how that room came about and all that stuff, how they came to with the book. Uh, yeah, I just I really like the experience. It's bloody as hell. It's got some great kills. Um, Evil Dead, man, undefeated. It's just wow. I'm I, I liked it. Yeah, you know what? And I think that's amazing opening kind of hurts the film because like it starts so powerfully and then you kind of like lose a little bit of steam there and if you guys want to go into the setup of this it's like man like I love that he's playing records I fucking love it and I love how the preacher the father is on tape or you know on the rec vinyl whatever saying like you know there's three copies we found one he's laughed out of the scientific world for wanting to speak to the dead. And then he, and then on record number two, he's like, fuck, I fucked up. And then record number three is like, oh, fuck, I fuck. You know, it's like that story. I would love to see a prequel based on, cause he, he's like my fellow fathers or whatever you want to call them. They get possessed too and come after him. It's like, man, I want to see a bunch of possessed priests, like them talking shit with deadites. And if they're like full of religion, that just be like open up a whole different can of worms. So I would love to see that. But like, so convenient with the fucking um the earthquake opening up a portal or not a portal but cracking it so you can see the the, the old bank vault i just thought that was kind of weak yeah i think the, i think maybe opening with that intro was great but i do agree i think it did kind of hurt the movie because i liked the outdoor like setting way better like my biggest issue with this movie is the high rise it just felt very like just confined and like too small like i wish we got sort of outside at some point in the movie like it just felt like i I just like sort of claustrophobic like i wish i like we could have gotten out and broken outside of that box it just yeah i mean it just felt like 
like maybe they were, had some budgetary reasons or something and they were just kind of holding us in there. You know, they were able to kind of work their way around it, doing like, you know, the elevator scene, which was great. You know, obviously kind of like a nod to The Shining, I think, when all the fucking blood comes out and stuff, which was great. But yeah, I mean, it just felt a little, little small to me compared to kind of the intro when we were kind of out in the elements and stuff. So that's my biggest negative. I mean, it's not like a huge one, but I, I you know, I, yeah. It's funny, that didn't bother me at all. I actually found the opposite. I, I liked the confined nature of this movie because it felt like they were trapped with the demons and couldn't get out even if they tried, right? They maybe conveniently, but made a bunch of reasons why they couldn't leave that building. You know, the elevator was busted, uh, it's too dangerous to go down the stairs. And there's like a, all these reasons why they couldn't get out and they're stuck of course, in the apartment itself, because the demon's like kind of wa walking back and forth uh, at the door. So that actually added to me some tension that I think outside we wouldn't have had as much. And also, like, let's face it, the, you know, three of the other four evil deads are all at a cabin. So it was nice to see something different with this franchise outside of that element. Um, so I, I, I like that out of this. And I also like the creature designs like they were freaky uh particularly the one at the end the like the merged demon i guess you can call i thought that was a really cool idea and unique for uh, this franchise yeah see i i don't know i'm not to disagree on that one i i didn't like the creature because i felt like it was too resident evil-ish because we had never seen well no that's not true we had seen a bunch of creatures but i don't know it just like I like the idea of them being a shit ton of Deadites because I think at that point there might have been like seven or so and it would have been cool for them to just all converge. But one of my issues too is like it telegraphed quite a bit. Like we saw the wood chipper or whatever it was. I'm like, oh, we're going to get something shoved in that. And then we saw the tattoo machine. Like, oh, someone's getting tattooed. The baby doll spear. Like, yeah, she's going to fucking stab somebody. So it was a little bit like, all right, let's, let's be a little bit more subtle. But honestly, these are just nitpicks. You know, we got to find something we don't like about it. Huge um, shout out to the word Staphne, though. <laughs> the fucking amazing <laughs> name for that staff. <laughs> Loved it. Uh, I get a shout out. Alyssa Sutherland, who played Ellie, the mom character, um, she was fucking great. And her just like, man, the amount of makeup work she must have had to go through. She looked fucking so good, so creepy. Just, yeah, like, ah, she she was great. And she just got announced for a con I'm going to be going to in August. So Ooh, that's get def that. def definitely one I'll be adding uh, to the collection for sure. I'll be excited to meet her. That's really cool. Um, I also got to give uh, props to the kids actors. I thought all the kid actors were really solid. I mean, kid actors can definitely make or break a movie. And I thought they were, they were pretty good here. I also appreciate that this movie wasn't afraid to, you know, go there and sort of, you know, possess these, some of these kids. Like I was not expecting the kids to fucking, you know, meet their fates you know, two of them anyway. And that, that was, you know, shocking to me. And I thought, oh, okay. And even the mother, like, I thought maybe like they were going to find a way to kind of bring them back or shit. But like, I love that. It's like, man, once you're possessed, you're fucked. You are not getting out of it. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. I, you know, this movie had a lot of balls doing some of the stuff they did. Like they impale one of the kids, like fucking, you know, right through the head. It's, it's just, yeah, they, they did not shy away. And you're right, the whole time I was thinking, okay, how are they going to get the mom back to her human self? But no, not at all. It's like quite the opposite. They kind of accept that it's not her anymore and then really fuck her up <laughs> to make sure that she doesn't come back. It was, uh, yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah, I like the throwbacks too. Like the, the stuff they did subtly, 
um, you know, like in Evil Dead 1 and 2, they show the bridge all fucked up. And then this one's the staircase is all fucked up, which is a cool touch. But yeah, just one final nitpick is like, I I think we were talking about like the start and stop, Steve. It's like there was a huge dead-eye action sequence and then the little girl stops and is like, are you going to be a mommy? I'm like, shut the fuck up. Like, get out of here. Like, who, who wrote that in? Like, I thought that was just so ridiculous. Yeah, I do... Um agree with you like i i mean i wish we had like we got more there were more people in this building like i know it was like a dilapidated building and it was like falling apart but like it just seemed like kind of unrealistic that it was like seven people like in this like massive high rise there was they just didn't hear the constant violence and shotgun blasts and, <laughs> All right. and shit running <laughs> well it is la you know <laughs> <So>. yeah <laughs> just a regular day in uh, los angeles apparently yeah um yeah, I mean, do you guys feel like it was, like, really similar to the 2013 version? Like, I felt like it was almost like a continuation, sort of, like, in that same sort of universe. Like, and I feel like now, like, okay, you get that. And it's kind of a good thing. Like, you get that. We're moving on from Ash, obviously. Like, you get that sort of Ash trilogy, and now we're heading into, like, sort of a new passing of the torch of this evil dead franchise and i feel like this was kind of the right way to go with it you know i heard some complaints people saying oh you know i wish it was more campy and stuff like that but i i mean i personally there was a couple of campy moments you know i thought but for the mo most part they went just like straight into uh the horror which i thought was cool i liked it i didn't need the campiness honestly i agree i don't think it's needed and i think without um having bruce campbell there you don't they can move on from the campiness, you know. Uh, the original Evil Dead's not that campy. It's uh, it's pretty uh, fucked up as well. It's only when you get to two in Army of Darkness that they start with the camp anyway. So I, I'm fine with them not doing that at all. Uh, I don't know if they've revealed it. So Bruce Campbell said he's in this, uh, in a secret cameo. Have they revealed who he is? Because I, I have a theory as to who he, who's playing. I, th I think he was at a picture for the preach the preachers because there's three, oh, but I didn't see it fast enough. Uh, I, I, I think... was assuming he was at. I, at one point, they look down like a window, and there's like a homeless person all like covered up, just walking with a cart. I have a feeling that's Bruce Campbell. I don't know why. It could be. Yeah. What'd you guys think of the Necronomicon? It kind of had a different look in this one. I dug it though. I thought it looked pretty cool. Yeah, it was dope. I mean, I think the first one's really cool because it's got the teeth and everything. But yeah, with the little like bone claw thingies that he cuts himself on, it's really cool. Mm -hmm. So th there's a theory that these are all like related. It's all like it's the the different books from army of darkness that you see um do you think that there's any weight to that that these are just different versions of the necronomicon well there's three of them right the preacher said it was so yeah. that makes plenty of sense exactly so this is just one we haven't seen before yeah well yeah, i, I mean shoot i just i just watched the damn thing but didn't <laughs> they burn it in part one which kills the deadites and then two mm -hmm. it's a kind of a remake i guess it's a rise from two then right yeah did you i saw one of our i think it was katie on our discord had mentioned do we uh, do you guys think that uh, the cabin uh in the first is like on the same land as like the original evil dead sort of um like our intro to the movie no because that one's in tennessee and this one's in all right i mean did they announce it well she was going on vacation so did they say where she was going Oh, are you talking about the opening scene from this movie Plus, yes yes I don't, no i don't think it could be in tennessee because she was driving that's a pretty hefty drive from Southern California and Tennessee. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. I, I, and then I, 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 I thought I kind of, I'm on the fence about the sort of, uh, 
creature thing, you know, when they all kind of form body parts and stuff. Uh, I thought it looked cool. But yeah, I mean, it seemed like, I don't know, like, I don't think it was necessary, I guess. But like, I get why they did it. I mean, it looked cool and stuff like that. But I kind of wish, yeah, I kind of wish I kind of with Todd, like, I don't think it was, I think they could have just everyone could have been whole and kind of like you know the mom with the blown off body parts would have looked fucking cool kind of like walking around and shit so yeah, see I, I thought they were rebuilding her because she lost her arm and her leg and mm. fighting and i thought they were just like giving them body parts which would have been cool i fucking also loved um uh, the one scene that made me cringe was when she was eating the fucking glass uh uh you know like wine glass or whatever yeah. like i was like ooh, that's fucking gnarly uh, what what uh, <laughs> really like got so i went to a full theater uh what really got the people was the uh, cheese grater that i guess got the biggest oh yeah that was good gross reaction <laughs> yeah i know they even made a poster of it so i guess uh it's not a unique thing to my theater i thought that was pretty cool mm-hmm. shout out to the director lee cronin too uh i enjoyed his last movie i don't know if you guys have seen it the hole in the ground is no. is pretty is pretty good. I'd I'd recommend checking it out. I mean, it's not as good as this, but it's it's pretty solid. Yeah, no, this movie was solid all, all around. Um, I'm, you know, I guess it's a thing now with Evil Dead that they need to put as much blood as possible because uh, they just wow, this movie is bloody as fuck. That last scene is like just over the top bloody, and yeah, I was there for it. So where does the franchise go from here? Because you know they're gonna make another one. This movie actually killed at the box office this weekend. It did like it exceeded expectations, which is great. So we're gonna be getting something new. Uh, you know, what do we get? Do you like? Do you want to see? I know Todd said the prequel. Is that? Do you think that's the right way to go from here? I think so. I mean, do you go back to the woods? Do you stay in here? Do you go to suburbia? I mean, I guess the only thing that's left is. The suburbs if you wanted to switch it up again but yeah i think the prequel would be so freaking cool um and it put, it did 40 million so far so that's fucking fantastic that, that blew its uh, budget already so it's like, i think the budget was like 25 million with marketing and everything so nice yeah if they did that in one weekend they're definitely gonna see a lot more evil deads and i think i don't know if it was bruce campbell or sam raimi who said this in an interview but he said that there are a lot of opportunities now to open this franchise up and i think that's what he means is we can get a prequel with the priests and we could get sequels sure. and kind of, you know, things happening concurrently to this. Yeah. I know Bruce said he would come back if Raimi directed and they've been saying that fucking shit since like I started going to cons. <laughs> like, would you guys want to see Bruce back in any, any capacity starring role, maybe a wise grandpa? What do you guys think? Yeah. I, I, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking sort of like, um, maybe the guy that would come in to help or something like that, you know, sort of, but I mean, is it necessary? No. I mean, we've learned this from like the screen franchise. Sometimes bringing legacy characters back isn't always the, the best decision, but I think with evil dead, it's different. Like, cause Ash is like a badass, you know, and he's fucking got, you know, let's, let's every, face it. It's not everything like we, going for him. We got three fucking seasons of this too recently. Right. Uh, yeah. say, how, how did that end? Cause I never finished it. Cause I wasn't feeling it. I, I didn't either. <laughs> so, either. <laughs> dang it. <laughs> so yeah, like, maybe it's not a good idea to bring him back. You know, we, we, we got three seasons of it and I guess people didn't really stick around to see what was going on. I think if he comes back, it should just be a cameo, not a full fledged movie, but who knows, you know, some, some of these return movies, right. There have been a ton in the last, a uh, few years have been pretty good. You know, I think of, you know, Rocky, for example, in the Creed franchise, you know, he wasn't central to the story, but he was there 
and it elevated the movie. So maybe having Ash there kind of helping out would be cool. Ghostbusters, they came back. Yeah, and that was perfect, right? right. Like, mm-hmm. Do you think Raimi would want to come back? Raimi? Um... Sure. I'm sure he now would. Now right? the money. <laughs> Maybe. I, I I don't honestly don't. I wouldn't want him to direct it. He's anymore. got that. He's got that MCU money now, though. You know, I, I don't know if the Evil Dead could afford him anymore. <laughs> I don't know if I want him to make one. Honestly, I, I like the new style of these new these these two new ones where they're more dark and. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's weird because I love Army of Darkness, but I I don't want to see slapstick in these new ones. I like the darker feel. I agree. Yeah, I agree. That was like the perfect movie for that time. You know, but I don't think would work today, to be honest. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I think nowadays I'd probably just be like, Ugh. <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> plus, plus, Raimi put a ton of CGI and dragged me to hell. So you know, yeah. do that. And he directed the first episode of Evil Dead, Ash vs Evil Dead, which had that stupid CGI doll in it. So yeah, maybe it's not a good idea. I'll ask. We'll ask him at uh, Frightmare. Call him, up, <laughs> call him up, Joe, real quick. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Any final thoughts before we read it? No, nope. just I'm um, happy that this franchise remains undefeated because mm-hmm. it's fucking amazing. Like really, and it, like Joe said, yeah, I, I I think I'm also in the camp of this is the weakest of the series, but that is you know the weakest of this series is stronger than a lot of other series like fully. So that is not a fucking diss to it at all. It's great. And I'm right there with all the, all of us are the same here. Like I put it on my ranking letterbox as the worst one, but it's a four out of five. That's not anywhere near being bad. You know? Right. So yeah, I'm a four out of five on letterbox. This one. hundred percent agree. I'm also at a four out of five. And when you say that's the weakest, that's fucking a huge compliment to this oh, franchise. Yeah. Cause yeah, I mean, they're just not missing. It's great. Even the TV show for what it was, was like really solid from what I watched of it. I know I didn't finish it, but it was pretty good. So yeah, movies, TVs, just keep the Evil Dead train running. But yeah, I mean, obviously keep the quality up because it's been so great. So yeah, I'm excited to see what they do next. Yeah, and I'm right there with everyone. Four out of five. Uh, I will watch it again before the year end because I do want to give it kind of a better shot. Uh, right now, like I said, though, it's my favorite of the year. It just like barely but surpassed um, Candyland, I think it was. Candyland. My yeah, yeah, my number one. Uh, but they're very different movies. You know, it's tough to compare so i'm probably gonna watch them both again since they're early in the year but yeah i look forward to seeing it again already so that's a good that's as good of a compliment as i could give a movie i I just saw it like two days ago and i want to watch it again Mm -hmm. absolutely i was like kind of teetering between like three and a half and four on this one for a while and then like i thought i looked at like my other movies from this year and i looked at scream six and that was the big deciding factor i'm like was this movie better than scream six and i said absolutely it was better than scream six so that's what made me jump uh, punch it up to the four it deserved very cool unanimous decision yes it's it's rare with us now it is it, yeah, yeah, it yeah, has been like, recently yeah <laughs> no, no, no grumps this week like what the hell <laughs> yeah yeah no grumps this can't keep happening we <laughs> need All right, everyone. So that is going to wrap up this week's episode. We thank you so much for listening. Stick around for our interview with director Dion Taylor of Fear. Uh, Next week, we are going to be doing a dedication episode to our good friend Chuck. We are letting our Discord members pick the movie in his honor. And uh, yeah, I think 
right now I think Karis Hell is in in the lead. It was one of Chuck's uh, you know favorite sort of goofy movies there. So, um, but if you have any other suggestions, if you you know had Chalk to Chuck and knew something else that he loved, you know we want to do a movie that you know best kind of represents him in his memory. Um, so yeah, if you want to join uh, in on that, you can join our Discord. All you have to do is just send us a DM. And we will get you into the Discord. You can DM us on our Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just search the Horror Squad Podcast. Or you can send us an email, Podcast at gmail.com, and we'll get you the link that way. And yeah, I think that is about it. Stick around for the interview, and um, we'll see you next week. Once again, um, rest in peace to Chuck. He is going to be just greatly, greatly missed. And uh just won't be the same without him on this show, just not being able to hear his voice every week on the audio questions and whatnot. But, you know, we continue on, uh, of course, in his memory. And uh, we'll see you guys next week in memory of Chuck for next week. Bye. Bye. Well said, Joe. Rest in peace, Chuck. Bye. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Horror Squad podcast, where today we are joined by a very special guest. His movie Fear hits VOD on April 25th. Please welcome the director and co-writer, Dion Taylor. Dion, thanks so much for joining us today. How are you doing? Oh, man, I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Um, so why don't you start off by telling our listeners a little bit about what Fear is about? Oh, man. So uh, I made a movie which is, you know, a bit typical horror film, but at the same time, it has a completely different world that I tried to build. Uh, the movie is about a group of people that basically um want to escape what's going on with these variants a lot like the world we live in and ultimately they 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 go to a uh, a beautiful cabin up in Tahoe and uh the initial reason why they're there is for a proposal um and to escape the madness of what's going on and ultimately we find that um our lead guy is actually not only getting ready to propose, but he's actually there to be a, to, to, to study and write on his book. And um, we also find that he is uh, fearful of commitment and uh, it just kind of goes all downhill from there, man. The, the movie explores um, the ideology of fear and what it means to us and how it stops us from being the best versions of ourselves. Um, and it does, a, I believe it does a really good job of just kind of putting a mirror up to us. And, and it's not just spiders and bats and, you know, snakes and all those different things, but it deals with, his, you know, a bit of heaviness, which is fear of commitment, uh, fear of not being trusted. Um, you know, some of these tropes that, you know, we don't tend to talk about or the fears that we have, you know, when we're alone. And now uh, you uh, co-wrote this movie with uh, John Ferry. Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, that process and how that came to be? Yeah, man. So I made this movie during the pandemic mm -hmm. uh, a couple of years ago. Um, it took me a while to get it together and, and get it out and all that good stuff. But at the height of the pandemic, not, not when people were like, I don't want to wear a mask. But before that, when people were like, what the hell is this? is when we shot this, we were the first movie to be shot during the pandemic. Um, and it was a very scary movie for me, man. I, I called a bunch of people down and asked them would they join me. Originally, I was trying to make a movie with some with some iPhones and we were all gonna isolate in rooms. I was gonna shoot a couple of scenes. 
And once I got there, I was like, man, we can do this. Come on, y'all, let's do it one more time. It's just, it's, we're only talking about your life. And uh, and we eventually fucking like made this thing, man. And 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 it was unscripted and we were writing as we were going. And uh, I was begging people to come up and isolate with us. And, and we were begging the CDC to just send us information on what we could be doing at the time. And it was scary and fun. Uh, but it ended up becoming something that would change my life. Uh, and just like the title of the movie fear, like the only reason I was there was because at that time I was living in fear myself. I was wondering what this thing was. And as a dad, I was like, man, how do you protect your kids from it? And does it get on doorknobs? And, you know, then we had a whole bunch of like, uh, unrest, there was like a mod Aubrey thing that happened on, on, online and it was social unjust. And I was like, dude, what the, like, what is going on? It was the first time in my life. I was like, I could see how the world could end. And, uh, and I made this movie and this movie was like, you know, true to form of the movies that I normally make. Uh, I always kind of make films that have some social message in it. Fatal was about a man cheating on his wife you know, uh, black and blue is Naomi Harris and Tyrese and, you know, it was the black line, the blue line and what that means to cops and, you know, supremacy was, was an incredible film that I, that I loved making. That was a true story about, you know, social racism. And uh, this one movie is about, I really wanted to isolate myself and say, man, how could I take a horror movie, which we all love that genre and actually build something into it that that goes one step past just horror, right? Which is how do you how do you overcome fear? And the other side of that is faith. No matter who you are, what you are, you have to believe, you know, in something, and you have to have a moment in time where you go, man, I have to choose faith over this fear that I'm dealing with. Yeah, and as you were saying, you know, the movie obviously plays off several different fears that we see through um, different characters here. Um, you know, did you use any of your own personal fears that you kind of instilled within these characters? I think a little bit of the movie is, is a lot of me, right? Like, mm -hmm. you know, the commitment, it took me a long time to, to get married. <laughs> I was do like, oh, it's cool, man. Next year, next year, next year. You know what I mean? Next year myself, I almost didn't have no more years, right? So, um, you know, um, I think everyone has a has a has a fear of not being trusted uh, or not being believed. You know what I mean? When you're really working on something or you're really passionate about something, um, all of those things. You know, a little bit of me is in that whole movie. You know, in terms of like what it's about. But what's really cool about that film is just how how crazy of a time now we watch i'm watching the theater a bunch of times with people and we, we we laugh at certain parts like someone coughs and everyone looks you know what i mean like you had to be there man like you guys were there you know what i mean I'm just, you have to be there man to remember if somebody like coughs or you know spits or what you're like wait man what's going on man you all right man you like and i mean we were serious you know so a bit of it is like that movie really touches a lot of those um things that we were dealing with as people that now are a little bit funny, but at the same time, it's like, no, man, when people are paranoid about things, it just is what it is. 
Yeah. Now, one thing I, I really loved about this movie was the setting of it. Um, it kind of gave me awesome, like, sort of shining vibes with the whole, like, sort of lodge, you know, cabin in the woods type thing. Um, now, I this was all, I assume, on location, correct? Since you guys were shooting during COVID, you couldn't be on set and whatnot? No, man. We were the first film, so we made a bubble. Yeah. And all living in that lodge, that strawberry lodge, we all lived wow. in. And uh, we shot there, and the movie took us... Uh, 13, 14 days to make the entire film. Uh, it was made for 900 grand. And um, we worked our ass off, man. Everybody was moving tables and helping moving cameras. And um, yeah, and we were hoping that we didn't get sick. And, uh, you know, that was the, the, that was the awakening for me. There was a moment on set where um, one of the actors at the time, King Batch, um, was doing a scene and he spit this wine out and he kind of like almost threw up. And it was a little bit of him acting, but at the same time, I think he really got sick. And uh, the camera dropped. And I was like, hey, what happened to the camera? I ran into the other room. We, you know, we got fucking 500 masks on and a glad bag around our bodies. And I'm like, hey, what happened? You know, what, what's going on? And I seen the camera guys walking out. And I was like, hey, what, what's going on? And it was like, man, we're, that's it, we're done, we're out. So what happened? He was like, he fucking coughed in there, man. Like he, he threw up right, right by me, man, right by the camera. Now, today you're like, you know, what are you talking about, right? But then there was a moment where they were like, hey, we want to have a test now. You know what I mean? Like, how do we know we don't have it? Just like the movie. And I'm like, oh my God. And we had to sit there and, and take a day and test. And so there was very... It's a very tense moment making fear and it was really cool. But at the same time, there would be moments like that or moments where an actor got too close to say, hey, man, do you think I got too close right there? Or, and I'm like, damn, that's how the whole ecosystem of that film was made. So in the movie, if you really watch it, you know, when they're in the bar area and they're all kind of together in certain scenes, you could kind of feel the vibe that the reality of the real life of them, are they're not wanting to be next to each other. Now you have a, a great cast here that all turn in really good performances. Um, can you talk about, you know, the, the casting process for this? Cause I assume obviously it being at the height of COVID, it couldn't have been easy to get uh, some of these a actors to come out. No, man. Don't want to come out. Yeah. So, <laughs> so these were like, mostly look, man, I feel like, you know, any, when you're an independent filmmaker, you're a horror filmmaker, like we're always kind of like, the last ones out, man. You know that? Like, we're always fucking fighting for something or begging for something or we don't have much time. And and I think we're the coolest filmmakers, but we also have the hardest time. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, like most traditional films, independent horror movies, you're banking on your relationships or you're calling and you're asking someone, hey, man, come on, just try it, man. This is going to be great, you know? So in this time where we were in, Joseph Sakura, I knew Joe from The Intruder. Um, and then I had shot Power uh, previously to, before the, the season finale of Power with them. And he was one of the first phone calls. I knew me and him had a great rapport. He trusted me as a director. And I was like, dude, he was in Brooklyn. And I'm like, man, you just, you can't fly here, but what do you think about coming to Tahoe? And he was like, couple conversations he was like dude I'm loading up my wife we got a new cat 
and we're gonna fucking drive from New York to Tahoe. And they did. He was like, dude, we're, we we want to get out the house too. And uh, that happened. And T.I. was always a rebel. He's a rapper. You know what I mean? He's like, man, fuck this shit. I'm trying to do something. And I'm like, come on, T, like, come out here. And he came and King Batch was the same way. Everybody just kind of was in a moment in time where they were like, all right, I'll do it. You know what I mean? And those people came and that's how we made the movie. And that's also why the movie is so unscripted and, and, and was put together so raw is because I couldn't get into a location. I was writing on the day. I didn't know who the cast would be. So once we all kind of got together, that's when the magic happened. And, uh, but yeah, man, I love the cast. Ruby Modine from uh, Happy Death Day, you know, um, Matthew Modine's daughter, you know what I mean? It's like, what? So we got her and everybody else just kind of filled in. Annie was, she was an up and coming to me. Like I had seen a few things she had did, but I was like, man, I wonder if she could hold this film down as a lead uh, opposite Joe. And she, and she was able to do so. Terrence J, who I thought was magnificent, who's been like a host on so many things. He was such a personality. And I know he has had some great runs at acting. So we just kind of put this ragtag group together of all these great faces. And I just said, man, let's do it. And um, we did it, man. And I'm very, very proud of this movie. I do have one question. Um, you know, outside of the real life horrors that you kind of uh, portray in this movie with like uh, pandemics and everything, there's a lot of like traditional horror as well, like some really kind of frightening scenes. Uh, what are some of your horror influences uh, like from other movies that kind of helped you on this one? Man, I um, I was saying earlier, man, I am, um, I came from the inner city and um you know, I came from a world, the Chicago, Gary, Indiana world where uh, movies and film have always been escapism for me um, and for all of my friends. Like, you know, no matter what it is, whoever you are, I feel that's the power and the beauty, especially horror movies, right? It's like, dude, Toxic Avenger, you know what I mean? It's like, you just can sit back and be like, man, Nightmare on Elm Street, everything you have that trick or treat, you know? Um, leprechaun, right? Whatever the hell it is, you're like, you're just in there when you're younger. You know what I mean? You're like, oh man, this is great. You know, it's scary, it's wacky, it's it's a world, and you just you just remember it. And I took a lot of those social influences from a long time ago, and those things have lived with me. Some movies I haven't seen in years and and decades, and you still just recall them when you're doing this work. You know what I mean? Like, oh man. I want the door to be like The Shining. Remember, remember, the, remember the girl was standing there and you just, just remember stuff. So a lot of uh, my DNA is um, obviously Stanley Kubrick is incredible and what he was able to do at The Shining is always something that this movie kind of shrives the mirror at times in terms of like people losing, losing their sanity as the movie goes quicker and quicker down the rabbit hole. And then also a world of um, you know, a little bit of the horror has a little bit of the saw elements, you know what I mean? In terms of like how I touched on some of the graphic natures of the guy with the sink, you know what I mean? That, that, that's very brutal. And that's not a typical horror film that that's brutal shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, Oh, that's crazy. But then, you know, some of the, 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 the more nuanced stuff, like, you know, being dragged downstairs and all that comes from more of supernatural, 
You know what I mean? So you, you know, you can think of movies like The Entity, you know what I mean? Barbara Hershey, 1982, you know, like, oh man, like there's something in here that's moving as a spirit. Um, so I just kind of like the social construct of all the classic ones. And I just kind of pull from things that I think were great and, you know, not steal, but borrow uh, because you can't reinvent the wheel, man. The only thing you can do is put some rims on it. You know what I mean? But these guys have done, I'm looking at this though. I was just telling somebody earlier, I was saying like the, um, I went and seen the new Evil Dead last night. And I was like, oh man, it was crazy. Like I'm sitting there like the original Evil Dead and the remake after that was so phenomenal. And then watching this last night, I'm going like, man, it, like the effects were just brilliant. You know what I mean? It was just, I mean, I, I, was, I was blown away by the actress and the, the looks and the makeup and they really did the blood and all that. But I was thinking to myself the whole time, like, man, do you know how incredible the entity was? Like, it stand it would stand up against that movie today. You know what I mean? And and be better. You know, it's like, but I just I just feel like so when I say like you can't reinvent the wheel, there's been some prolific, you know what I mean, writers and directors that, you know, Wes Craven man, like guys that just fucking just had nothing, you know what I mean? You know, DP Dan Pearl, you you know what I mean? Like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like just what guys just grabbed the camera and just said, man, I'm just, this is it. I'm winging it, baby. You know what I mean? And they just give you the greatest thing, greatest cinema that's not always in that time or in that era received. But then later it's like wine. It just, it just, you're like, man, look at that. You know what I mean? Like it's crazy. So anyways, uh, I'm influenced by everything that's you know, 70s, 80s, 90s that we just kind of fell in love with. Amen. I, I, I loved hearing all, all that. You, you definitely know your stuff. And uh, maybe one of my favorite quotes now, uh, you can't reinvent the wheel, but you can put the rims on it. I, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely love that. Uh, unfortunately, Dion, our time is uh, running short now. But everyone, make sure to go check out Fear. It is now on demand. As of when we release this, uh, it hits on April 25th. So make sure to go and check it out. Um, Dion, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thanks, right, Dion. Thank you so much. See ya. See this? This is my boomstick! It's a 12-gauge double-barreled Remington, S-Mart's top of the line. You can find this in the sporting goods department. That's right, this sweet baby was made in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Retails for about $109.95. It's got a walnut stock, cobalt blue steel, and a hair trigger. That's right, shop smart. Shop 
S-Mart.